0: Good morning, church. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each of you here. And I know we said this a few moments ago, but if you're our guest, this is your first time, or if you're watching for the first time later this week online, we just want to welcome you and let you know that we are excited that you're here with us. Um, We're so glad that you're joining us this morning. We're in our third week of this series. And before I jump into the message, just want to encourage you um, with this. This Tuesday night, again, we're doing... A prayer night here at NCC. Um, Russell just handed me a piece of paper and just sharing something God spoke to him that he was reading about where Jesus said, my house shall shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And church, we want to be that. We want to join together at different times and pray and just lift up what God is doing um, here in our community. And so last month we did this, and I want to tell you, it was so great um, just walking around And I was walking right in this area and just hearing different people praying for our community, um, hearing others cry out for our church and for what God wants to do um, for people that aren't even a part of our church yet, but God wants to minister in their lives. And so I want to encourage you this Tuesday night, um, right in this room at 630, we're going to come together and we're just going to pray for a little bit. And we'll have different prayer focuses. We're going to pray through some scripture together. And so if you've never done that, I want to encourage you, come and be a part of that. We're going to take some of God's Word and just practice praying that in our lives. We're going to practice um, praying in the Spirit and lining up our hearts with God's Spirit praying through us. That's a vital part of our life. And so I want to encourage you, take a little bit of time this week, this week at um, 6.30 this Tuesday night. Join us right here in this room um, for a night of prayer, and I promise um, it will be a great time together. So, we're in our third week of this series, Things Jesus Never Said. And we've been talking about um, how sometimes we get maybe thoughts in our mind, something we've heard from someone else that we kind of pick up and we assume, well, that's in the Bible, right? Or this is what Jesus wants us to do. But many times those things aren't found in the Bible. And sometimes they're even contrary, they're kind of against what we would think of what Jesus has said. And so we're taking these weeks and looking at this. So we started the very first week with this idea, Jesus never said, hey, follow me and life will be easy. A matter of fact, he talks about there will be difficulty that we will face. And then Pastor Sarah, um, she did an amazing job last week of sharing Jesus never said, hey, I love you, so I'm okay with your sin. He never said that. But what he does is he takes our place and he carries us towards God because we can't reach God's standard. And so Jesus, through the cross, through his death and resurrection, he carries us um, towards God, and he bridges that gap inside of our life. And man, last week, God just really challenged me through the message. I, I needed to hear that. We need that reminder in our life. And so I was sitting here, and man, I was tearing up. I felt like God's Spirit was challenging me. And so I headed out after service with my kids, and we had to stop by the grocery store to get some food, okay? I don't know if you've ever tried to do this on a Sunday, but it was packed. And so everyone's crowding in there. We're trying to find a parking spot in the parking lot, and I pull up, and kind of far back from the entrance, there's someone just sitting there in their car, and they're kind of blocking the lane, and so I wait behind them because I think, oh, they're waiting for a spot to open up, but we just sit there for a couple of minutes, And it feels like a really long time, and so I think, oh, she must be waiting for someone to walk out, so I'll just pull around her. And of course, as soon as I start to pull around her, I see someone's backing up, and so I just stop right there. And I'm thinking, I'll wait for her to get in the parking spot, just kind of sitting there, we're talking to the kids, and I look over, and you guys, she is going ballistic, like just crazy, right? She, I can't hear her, but she's screaming, like flailing her hands. I won't make the hand motions that she's making to me, but she is obviously upset, right? And I feel so bad in that moment. I just come from church, and so what do I do? Of course, I open up my door, I walk over to her car, and say, hey, I'm so sorry if I offended you or if I upset you. I didn't see you were waiting for a car, and I'd love to tell you that's what happened, but that is not what happened, you guys. I'm sitting in my car, and I'm thinking, are you serious? Like, for real? You're going to make this big of a deal over a park. You're going to start yelling at me and my kids, like, I'm not trying to take your spot. I don't even care about your parking spot. I'm just trying to get around to find a spot. And so I start to get really upset. Like, I'm getting really mad. And then I have to remind myself, okay, I'm a pastor. What if this person comes to my church at some point? Like, so I try to smile and give that, I'm so sorry, like, and, and I let her pull into her spot. But then I think this could be awkward if we're walking around the same aisles in Walmart. Like, all of this is coming up. And I tell you all of this because what we're talking about today, it's so difficult. Because that's kind of our tendency at sometimes That if someone wrongs us or someone frustrates us or someone, um, however you would say, that, like they get mad at us, we want to look for a way to get back at them. And Jesus never said that. He never said, get even with people who wronged you. I know we may think that, I know we may feel that at times, like, hey Jesus, you're okay with this, but he never said that in scripture. And sometimes we carry that around of like, hey, I've gotta look at a way to get even. It's in our nature, like it's our tendency that whenever we experience hurt, We wanna somehow put that on another person. We want someone else to experience what we felt, that frustration, whether it's physical pain, whatever that is, and maybe we would never verbalize that, but how many of us live like that? We live in moments, we carry things around with us, wrongs that other people have committed against us, and we've got this tally mark, right? Like anytime we see that person, we think, yep, eventually you're gonna get yours, and it's gonna come back on you. And yet, when we look at Scripture, we don't see this. And as I was thinking about this, I was just reminded of a powerful quote by Martin Luther King Jr. when he said this, Hate only begets hate, and violence begets violence. Toughness begets a greater toughness. We must meet the force of hate with the power of love. And what he's talking about is what we're going to see Jesus says right here in the Scripture of how do you respond when people mistreat you, when people come against you, when people wrong you, like what is going on in your heart? What's your natural response? Is it revenge or is it meeting that with the power of love? And so I want us to look at this this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start reading at verse 38. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's that blue Bible in the seat in front of you, and you can turn to page 473 in that Bible. Want to encourage you to do that and follow along with us, or just take out your smartphone and Google Matthew chapter 5 and you'll get there. And um, we're gonna follow this. Now, this is where we've been. So once you have that, hold on to that for just a moment. And I want to remind us what Jesus is doing is he's on the side of a mountain. So this is what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, because he's on a hillside and he's teaching um, people just kind of in a setting like this. He's teaching them, but they're out in the open. And this is one of Jesus' longest sermons that we have recorded. And he's giving them, once again, a way to live in the kingdom of God. How do we treat one another? How do we view our relationship with God? And so he's instructing them. He's helping them. He's changing some mindsets. And what he doesn't say is get even with people who wronged you. But here's what he does say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You've heard it that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, what's Jesus saying here in this passage? Because you read this, and there's a lot going on. And I think there's some of it that we kind of understand, and then there may be parts of it that we don't really understand. And so we draw these wrong conclusions about what Jesus is actually saying. And so the group that he was talking to, they had misunderstood this first statement that he even makes, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Now, what that was is if you've read... um, what's known as like the Old Testament, the writings before the time of Christ, God instructs his people with this instruction, and people totally misunderstood it. Because God is talking to judges and lawyers, okay? And if you've ever driven down the highway and you see that sign that says, maximum fine, $250, right? And you think, well, that's all the government can charge me, right? Like that's the maximum amount, and is this worth this? That's kind of what God was doing where he was saying, hey, if someone wrongs you, okay, if someone breaks a bowl that you have or they accidentally, you know, um, destroy your fence or something like that, what's the maximum that you can do to them? Well, he's saying, don't go out and kill them. That doesn't make sense. Like, they broke your fence, and so you go out and kill them. He's saying the judgment that the judge gives or the lawyer gives needs to be in kind, So it needs to be equal to what happened, okay? So if you broke someone's fence, you don't end their life, right? They pay to repair the fence. That's what God is saying there. So he's saying, hey, make sure that your judgment is fair. Judges and lawyers, make sure that what you're giving out, like, it's actually equal to the crime or to the wrong that has been committed. Now, some scholars took this literally and said, no, if you gouge out someone's eye, they have the right to walk up to you and to gouge out your eye. And that's not the heart of what God is saying. He's saying, hey, make sure that there's equal retribution, that you don't take this too far. And then the people that Jesus were living with this, they took it out of the hands of like the legislation and the judicial system, and they just went after it on their own. And Jesus is saying, hey, this is not a good way to live with other people. Like you're going to end up with a majority of people either half blind or no teeth in their mouth, right? Like someone punches you and knocks out your teeth and you're going to pull out theirs. And Jesus is saying, this is not a good way for people or a community or a society to live with each other. And so he's saying, let me tell you what God was doing here. God was trying to get to the heart of the matter. And so as Jesus begins to open up this teaching, he's saying, God was not telling you, hey, if someone wrongs you, get even with them, right? Or like, if if someone does something bad, then you have the right to go after them. No, it's not get even with the people that wronged you. What he's saying is, where is your heart at? And as people who understand God and people who are living as a light in the world around us, you're called to represent the love, the kindness, the forgiveness, the compassion of God. Is that what you're doing? Where is your heart at in this? And in case there was any confusion, He starts to give them examples. And so he says, do not resist the one who is evil. And we may hear that, and that kind of rubs us the wrong way. We're like, wait, Jesus, that isn't right. Like if someone does something bad or someone tries to to come into our home, and we start playing out all these different scenarios. Jesus, you weren't saying if this happens that I can't do. Like we try to justify it. And what Jesus is doing through all of these statements is, where's your heart at? What's going on on the inside? Not can we nickel and dime the behavior like, okay, if someone slaps, can I hit them hard in the face? Like, what's okay to get? No, he's saying, where's your heart in this situation? Don't resist the one that is evil. And so when people are wronging you, you need to find out like what's going on on the inside of you. And let me just stop and say this right here. This is so difficult for us. We live in a nation where we're constantly told, you stand up for your rights. You get yours, right? Right? Someone comes after you, like you make sure that, that no one walks on, you're no one's floor mat, Like all of these kind of statements, like we feel like that, well, I have the right to do this. And can I just tell you something, as a follower of Christ, you've given up your rights. You have, you've surrendered your rights for what God wants for your life. And this is what Jesus is challenging these people with. Hey, if you're gonna follow after God, it's not about just what I want or what I desire or what I think should happen, is now I'm living in alignment with God, and God, how are you calling me to react in this situation? God, as a follower of you, what do I do in this moment? When someone does this to me, like, how do I respond? And if I am called to be a light in the world around me that does not know God and that doesn't understand who he is and his love, how do I respond in a way that best reflects who God is and what Jesus would do in this situation? And so that's what he's saying here is start to examine your heart. Don't resist the one who is evil. And so once again, he gives him this illustration, Matthew chapter 5. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, before you get upset and say, wait, if someone comes after me physically, like I'm gonna retaliate, you need to understand what Jesus was talking about here. Number one is this was not a physical kind of act of violence that he was talking about. This was a phrase that was used back then. So when I was in high school, some of you guys remember this, right? You would turn to the person next to you and you'd say, why are you dissing me, right? Maybe some of you guys did that. And that was me telling my friends, hey, stop insulting me, like what you're saying is hurting my feelings, like stop doing that. I was in a store yesterday talking to these two people, and one of them looked at the other and said, why are you coming at me? And I've heard my kids say this, and I'm not a teenager anymore, but I think that means that same thing of, hey, you're insulting me, or why are you trying to to belittle me, Or, or this doesn't, kind of that statement, and that's what that meant. If someone slaps you on the cheek, it wasn't talking about just a physical act, It was when someone insulted you. That's what you'd say. Hey, that was a slap on the cheek, right? So this was a terminology that was used. But we don't know if Jesus was talking about the terminology or a physical act of violence. But what he's saying is you need to stop and think about how you respond in this moment. Now, I want to show you this. And I thought, well, should I ask a volunteer to come up on stage? I didn't think that would work too well. So um, give me a second, okay? And let me just um, grab my good friend back here. Some of you guys know Chewbacca, I think he's been here on stage before with me, okay? Some of my good friends got this for me for my birthday because they know I love Chewie, okay? So let's see if he's gonna stand up here, I think he will. Okay, so you're around people, you're interacting with people, this could be family members, this could be people at your work, and either verbally or physically, this may happen of someone walking up to you, okay? And saying, you're a stinky, mangy, smelly furball, okay? They may not say that to you, but this guy, um, um, he kind of looks like that, right? Or they may physically slap you across the face. And I wouldn't do that to a Wookiee because these guys are really aggressive, okay, if you've watched Star Wars, right? But that sound of that slap across the face, or if you've ever felt that, brings immediate emotions and responses, right, to your heart, to your mind of what you want to do. And Jesus is telling you, hey, you need to pause in that moment. And let me show you this, church, what he's saying is what's more powerful than a slap is when you look at that person that's verbally wronged you or even physically wronged you and you say, hey, I'm sorry, did I do something to offend you? Because although that slap may physically take you back, I'm telling you, when you look someone in the face and say, I'm sorry, when they've hurt you, all of a sudden they don't know how to react. And Jesus says, you know what's more powerful than a verbal attack is when you don't attack back, when you're not looking to get even, when you're not looking to get back at that person, but where you start to really look at the heart of, hey, what's going on with them right now? Why are they attacking someone else? Like, why are, why are they coming at me? Like, why are they doing that? And you start to look at what's going on in their heart and what's happening in your heart. And Jesus is saying, hey, that's way more powerful than just physically assaulting them. When you start to ask, hey, what's going on inside of you right now? And you start to think about what's taking, you don't know what kind of day they've had, or you don't know what kind of doctor's report they've gotten, or you don't know what's happened in that relationship, and they're trying to lash out at someone else because deep inside they're hurting, and Jesus said your natural response as a follower of God is not to attack them back. That's not what you're trying to do is you look, how do I respond in love, Jesus? How do I do that in this moment? What does that look like? Okay, I'm going to put Chewy back away. So I'll set him back over here. And that's what we're called to do as followers of Christ. And that's what Jesus is saying is you turn the other cheek. and, And what he means by that is you pause in that moment and you look at, God, how do I respond in love? Not how do I assault that person? Because Proverbs talks to us about that, Proverbs 15.1, and it says this, a soft word or a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And in that moment, that can only go one of two ways. Either you respond with grace and with kindness, and the situation starts to get diffused, or you escalate or elevate the situation. And Jesus is saying, what's going on here in your heart? And this was, as hard as this is for you to hear, this was not easy for the people of that day to hear because they lived in a society full of violence where people were just taking matters into their own hand. And Jesus says, but that's not what I've called you to do. That's not what you do as a follower of Christ. You respond differently. And so when you're in your workplace and someone begins to verbally assault you, your response is not to try to think, how do I make them feel stupid? or how do I cut them down, or how do I show everyone their faults, your response is, God, how do I love them in this moment? Like, what does that look like to turn the other cheek and not go after them? This is what Jesus is calling us to. He gives them kind of a second thing. Jesus does not say, you get back at them. If someone wrongs you, you get back at them. Here's what he says. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, you let him have your cloak as well. Here's what Jesus is saying is stop just reacting and begin to look at the situation. That if you've gotten in an altercation with someone, right, you're down on Main Street and your donkey runs into their donkey, okay, and they freak out on you. This was the first century fender benders, right? And they start to freak out on you and they're like, my donkey's injured. What do I do? I I can't afford this. I can't pay for this. And they start coming after you like you're going to do something. You hear what's really going on hey, this is someone in need. There's some financial situations here and they're hurting financially and they're scared. Like, I don't know how I'm gonna make my livelihood work. I don't know how I'm gonna take care of my family and provide for my family. And how do you respond? Hey God, I may have something extra that I can give them. And not just to make it right, but to bless them on top of that. And so it's like, hey, I spilled coffee on your shirt you need my shirt, yeah, I can give that to you, but I also have a jacket if you need that. And my shirt's only worth maybe like 5 or $10, but I paid $40 for this jacket. Like, is there something else I can do? And so what does Jesus say? You don't try to get back at them. You don't try to hold on. You look at the situation. You respond differently. You see beyond the surface because you're a follower of Christ, and you start to hear, wait, what's really going on? What are they really saying when they're saying, hey, I'm gonna come? Of God, maybe there's a financial need there, God. Is there something else you're calling me to do? Is there something else you're challenging me in this moment, God, that I should respond in this way? So Christ is saying your heart is not motivated out of selfishness, out of greed. Your heart is motivated out of love. That's how you're called to live as a follower of Christ. God, I respond in love. That's what I do. That's what you've challenged me with. Yesterday, our, our family was out and we were running different errands and um, we went to Old Navy. I'd looked through my kids' clothes and I started to look and I was like, hey, we need some long sleeve shirts and some pants because we still had summer stuff out. And so we're going through the store and we're getting some stuff and, um, and Sarah's looking. So we've got all of, you know, the kids' clothes that I needed to buy. and We're kind of hanging around and one of my kids, they get really upset at their siblings. And it got to this, like, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where it was kind of like, don't touch my stuff, right? And they start becoming verbally agitated, and then they start to become physically agitated. And I look at them, and I said, hey, that's not how we respond to each other. And if we can't handle getting new stuff, like, we'll just wait on this. And as I was walking out the store, I'm analyzing myself, like, as a parent, God, why does that frustrate me so much? Like, why does that bother me? What am I not okay with in that situation? What am I not okay with in that moment? And I realized I want my kids to know that people are always more important than possessions. They are. There's nothing that we have, church, that we should place in front of another individual. And that's what Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter of some of you guys, you're selfish, you're greedy, you're holding on to everything that you can, and that's not responding in love. That's not what God has called you to do. You need to hear beyond the surface and say, God, what's really going on? And is there a way I respond, God, by giving and giving even more than what's required, God, or what's needed, Lord, but I can bless someone else? I was listening to a podcast this week, and and the speaker, they said this, and they were quoting um, a first century church leader, And they said, we need to be careful as wealthy Christians. And in case you're thinking, well, I'm not wealthy, here's how they defined wealth. If you have two coats or two shirts, you're wealthy. So I'm guessing that's probably most of us in this room, right? And he said, we've got to be careful as wealthy Christians that our possessions don't separate us from people, but they connect us to people. And then he made this statement, and I'm still trying to wrestle with it, but he said, hey, if you're a wealthy Christian, you own two coats, and you see someone that's cold and in need, and you don't give them one of those coats, you've stolen from them. Now, I don't know how you deal with that, and like I said, I'm still trying to wrestle through, like, what does that mean? But what he's saying is your possessions should not separate you from people. They should connect you. What I have should not make me look at others and say, well, you don't have as much as I do. Or, we're not really the same because you know I live in this area or I have this vehicle or any of the No, that's not how we live as followers of Christ. And as people need things or we see people in need around us, we're not trying to hold on to them. We're trying to find ways to connect with people and give. Give generously. Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter of, hey, if someone's trying to come after you and someone's wronging you, like you don't respond in the way that everyone else around you responds. You respond with this generous heart and this generous attitude. That's who we are. And then he says this, if anyone forces you to go one mile, you go with them two miles. And give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, this phrase that that we have still around today of, hey, go the extra mile do things with excellence, go above and beyond. It comes from this idea right here that the people that Jesus were talking to, these were oppressed people. The Roman Empire had come in and through use of force, and we're talking the majority of people that Jesus had talked to had lost loved ones, had had close family members and friends killed by the Roman Empire. And there was this law that if a Roman soldier stopped you, they could force you to carry whatever they had on them for one mile. They couldn't go beyond that, they couldn't force you to go beyond that, but they could make you carry it one mile. They usually had a lot of stuff, like some um, historians say it may have weighed up to 100 pounds, and you're carrying 100 pounds of equipment or weapons that you know was probably used to kill, to oppress you and family members and friends. And Jesus says, how do you respond to that? Like, what do you do when your enemy Or when the person that's hurting, like they come and they have the right to tell you, you got to go one mile, well, Jesus says, you go too. And as he's looking at this, what he says is, you reclaim humanity in that moment. That this soldier, a lot of times, were not Roman citizens. They were from a different country that Rome had conquered. They're away from their family. They're isolated. And they're in a scary place where they don't know what's going to happen around them. Their life is in danger at a lot of points throughout the day. And what does Jesus say? He says, you look at them and you say, hey, I realize this may be difficult for you. Can I not serve you just by going one mile? But can I carry this for you two miles? Can I realize you're a person and you're hurting and you have fears and you're away from your family and all of that. You're a human being just like I am. And so in this moment, I choose to recognize your humanity. And I'm here with you in this moment. And whatever burdens you're carrying, I want to help you carry those. See, Jesus says you respond differently. You don't take those and count out every single step of that mile and think, I wish I could take this sword and attack you with it because you've attacked people that I love. You look at them and you say, you're a human being, and I recognize your humanity, and I choose to respond different because of God's love that's inside of me. You guys, this is difficult. This is awkward. This is hard, because like I said at the beginning, everything inside of us wants to get even. We want to get back. We want to make people suffer when we've hurt or when we've experienced this pain, Now, let me say this. Jesus is not saying it's wrong to have two coats. People have taken this passage and they've put all of these words in Jesus' mouth, like, hey, um, Christians should be pacifists. And there's whole groups of Christians that have said that, like, this is God saying, hey, we never use force or we never use violence. That's not what he's saying in this moment. What he's saying is, where is your heart at? However you react to a situation, Where is your heart at? What you're doing, is it out of love or is it out of revenge? Is it to hurt someone else? Or can you look in their eyes and see their humanity and say, hey, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. I'm here to serve in this situation. And as I was reading one of these commentaries, he said that he said, the most loving thing when you meet someone that's greedy may not be to give them your coat that may only feed the greed in their heart. You may need to respond in love in a different way. And so you're gonna, you and I, we've gotta work out like, how does this look? But what Jesus is challenging us with is, hey, you don't get even with people who wrong you. You don't try to get back at them, but you respond in a different way because your heart is different. And so that's why in just a chapter later, he gives us what many of us know or you've heard the Lord's Prayer. And maybe you could recite parts of that, but he ends the Lord's Prayer with this phrase that we forget so many times. He says this, and by the way, after you're done praying, look at your heart, because if you can't forgive people that have sinned against you and trespassed against you, your heavenly Father can't forgive you your sins. Now, isn't that a crazy thing to say? Unless you've just heard what Jesus said a few moments earlier, you respond differently. And there's this idea that forgiveness, this giving and receiving of forgiveness are somehow linked together. Now, let me quickly, as we close and as we get ready to respond, just explain this. Forgiveness, and I've heard people say this, well, this means that it doesn't matter, right? I just forget about the whole ordeal. That is not forgiveness. That's not what forgiveness is. If you've had that in your mind, take that out. We somehow think, well, when I forgive someone, I'm telling them, it's okay, it doesn't really matter what you did. No, remember what we learned last week. Jesus did not say, I'm okay with your sin. He understands the full penalty and the full pain that our sin causes death, destruction to us and to those around us. He did not say, I'm okay with it. He said, the price has already been paid. My son will take the greatest amount of that evil upon himself. You won't feel that. And when I forgive someone, I'm not looking at them and saying, you hurt me, and it's okay. When someone's wronged me, I'm not saying, I forgive you, so it doesn't really matter. What I'm saying is that caused deep pain, but I'm forgiving the debt. You don't owe me anything. I'm not pausing my life, waiting for you to repay me for some wrong you've committed. I realize the penalty of that sin has already been taken Jesus took it upon himself. So you don't have to pay me back anything for that. That's what forgiveness is. And when you start to understand that, you begin to understand why Jesus says, wait, when you forgive someone and when you receive God's forgiveness, it's linked to the forgiveness that you extend. As I receive the forgiveness of Christ, I realize, yeah, Jesus, that person that said that, that person that hurt me in that way, Jesus, you already took the penalty of that upon yourself. I may feel some of that, but I don't even feel the full evil of that because you carried that on the cross. Forgiveness is not saying it doesn't matter or that never happened. What it's saying is I'm not going to stop my life waiting for you to repay me. The debt's already been taken care of.